Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. All right. So what, what's, this, what's happening this week? My sister asked me, she's like, what time are you coming up on Thursday? I'm like, what's Thursday? And she goes, it's Thanksgiving, Misty. I'm like, oh yeah, it's Thanksgiving on Thursday, okay? So we, <laughs> this is how my life goes. I'm, I'm not a mess, but sometimes I, like, I live in the, in the two-day, in like a two-day radius. You know, it's like my brain thinks about like, today is Sunday, so I think about Monday and Tuesday, but I'm not thinking about Thursday, because that's too far. You know, and so she was asking me about that. But th- we're talking about Thanksgiving, but we're not talking about the celebration or the holiday, really, of Thanksgiving, but instead really about the biblical perspective of giving thanks. Why do we do it? What's the purpose of it? And why does God tell us to do it? So here we go. I actually have, go to the next slide. I have a picture for you. How many of you guys have seen this before? Okay, so shout out to me what you see. A woman, a young woman or an old woman? How many, how many, of, you, how many of you see an old woman? Don't look at me, look at the picture. <laughs> okay, so and how many of you guys see a young woman? You, do you see both? Does anybody not see anything? Okay. Can you all see, like, can you all see the old woman? Okay, so for those of you who are confused, if you want to see the old woman, this is her mouth, this is her chin, her nose, and her eye. Now, reorient yourself, and here's the young woman. This is her chin, her nose, and her eyelash, and her hat. And this, and who? Who? The old lady, the old lady, this is her chin, her mouth, and it goes up into her nose, and then that's her eye. And then the young lady, this is her necklace and her chin, okay? It's, it is all about perspective. But it's also, this is, this is what I want to talk about with Thanksgiving. It's, it's what we're focusing on. It's what we're focusing on. We, why do we give thanks? It's, it's because it changes what we're focusing on. Most of us in our culture in America, we are, we are raised to dwell on the things that are, that are negative. How many of you guys can, like if you have to do something um, in front of people and then you have people coming up and giving you feedback, if you get 10 people who give you great feedback and one person who gives you negative feedback, what is it that you dwell on? We always dwell on the negative feedback, right? And we don't just think about the negative feedback. We actually, like, process it. We dwell on it. It sits there and, like, runs through our mind. And, and somebody's like, well, 10 other people thought you were amazing. And you're like, yeah, those people just love me or whatever. But this one person, they must have been, they must have been right, right? Like, it's the way that we naturally think oftentimes in our culture. You know, we are, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We are an offended culture. We're offended by everything, which means that we're constantly dwelling on the negative side of things. So don't change the slide here. I want to read a little bit. This is, this is on, this is neuroscience, the neuroscience of Thanksgiving. Okay, now keep in mind this picture. 
In the book Grateful Brain, author Alex Korb said that our brain is conditioned to function in a repeated way. For example, a person who worries too much about the adverse outcomes will subconsciously rewire his brain to process negative information only. Korb has mentioned that our brain cannot focus on positive and negative things or information at the same time. Do you hear that? So, so in perspective, here's your perspective. You cannot focus on the old lady and the young lady at the same time. Your brain cannot process both of them. You cannot focus in on both the old lady and the young lady at the exact same time. You have to choose one to focus and you, move, you can move back and forth if you can see them. Does that make sense? By consciously practicing gratitude, we can train the brain to attend selectively to positive emotions and thoughts, thus reducing anxiety and feelings of apprehension. So this is the neuroscience behind gratitude and thanksgiving. Gratitude and thanksgiving I'll probably use interchangeably. Okay? It's really important to remember that we can't practice both gratitude, like so positive and negative at the same time. We can't be processing and be grateful and angry at the same time. We can't be, we have to, we, we might bounce back and forth between the two. We might choose one, but usually we choose one. And then the other thing that's really important to notice is that it actually wires our brain. What does that mean? That means that they're called neuropathways. And what happens is, is as we have learned to process information, oftentimes from the time we're little, the information comes into our brain and, and our neuropathways are where it goes instantly. It's like... It's like building a path through the woods, right? So you have a path through the woods and your brain, you're, you naturally walk there. Even the animals walk on paths that we make because it's simple and it's easy. So what happens is if we negatively think a lot, we have these neuropathways that makes it easy for our brain just to go there, right? So what happens then is we have the ability, all of us carry the ability to actually rewire the way that we think, so that when we have things happen to us, we can actually rewire our brain to then begin to think positively and with gratefulness. Okay, now what does that do? This is what's important. Okay, flip to the next slide. This is on psychology. What is the psychology of being thankful? Grateful people are indeed less likely to have mental health problems like depression. People who are grateful feel less pain, less stress, suffer insomnia less, have stronger immune systems, experience healthier relationships, and do better academically and professionally. Overall, it can boost both your mental and your physical health. How many of us want that whole list? That's beautiful, right? Like how wonderful would it be to have less stress, less pain, less physical ailments, right? Like it literally increases your immune system. You know, and how many of us really want healthy relationships? This is the thing. We can't think on both things at the same time. So we have to begin to figure out what does it look like to walk with gratitude. And I'm not suggesting that, that this is going to solve all of our problems. But what I am saying is scientifically they have proven that people who can begin to have 
gratitude in their hearts actually begin to shift their lifestyle. I was reading these really cool studies that they have done, you know, where they have taken groups of people and they have given them like gratitude. All these people were clinically depressed and they set them into three different categories. One of them had to write letters of gratitude every week to people. The middle group sat down and processed their trauma and their pain by writing. So they wrote out their trauma and their pain, what they had dealt with. And the other group didn't have any writing exercises. And months, like a month later and then 12 weeks later, they went back and they checked their brain. They did brain scans. And the people who had done gratitude journaling and writing letters actually had a significant higher, all of the chemicals, the endorphins that make you happy, right? I don't know all those words. But I am not a psychologist. But it was incredible to see the difference between the people. Every single one of them were getting help for their depression. But every single like, but the group who had gratitude as a li- as becoming as a lifestyle had actually increased and had less depression and symptoms by the t- by the end of the twelve weeks. Three months later, they did another check, and their brains were still geared towards gratitude. Because it had a life, it was, it was adjusting their mental um, state. Like it literally had become rewired neuropathways where they began to be less stressed and less depressed. Isn't that amazing? What I love about that is that I love, I love how science takes... Like, it, it explains, especially like neuroscience. I think neuroscience is really cool when I read it and actually can understand it because, you know, sometimes it's way beyond me. I find it absolutely fascinating how our brains are wired and how it works. But here's the thing. It makes a lot of sense if we cannot process negative thoughts and positive thoughts at the same time. You know, how many of us have spent Thanksgiving preparing, maybe as adults we are preparing meals for people, preparing things, and like we are totally stressed out the entire time. We have a schedule. We have 15,000 things we have to cook. We have to clean the entire house if we're hosting, or we have to pack up our whole family. And for us, we have to drive an hour and a half all the way to Kansas City, be there at a certain time where mom's going to be yelling at me, right? Like there's so much stuff that oftentimes on Thanksgiving, we aren't actually thankful we're stressed. And then we're all supposed to then sit down and some of us have the, the tradition of going through, like, what are we thankful for? And you're like, I don't know. Like, I haven't even been able to think about that. Because, because what we have done is we've created this culture where everything, like, we have such a weight of responsibility constantly on us, right? That it feels like we're just failing. I, I was, um, I had gone to Walmart, and this, this girl who is, doing the checkout for me. Um, This is nothing negative about her. She was adorably cute and really fun to actually talk to. But um, I had walked up to her, and I was the only one there, and she had been looking at her phone. She immediately put it down. She was not, she was a great employee. Um, But she, she looks at me, and she was just like, oh my gosh. She goes, I've got to get my life in order. And I just laughed, and I was like, okay. And she goes, she was like, I have apparently a schedule. I have a meeting with, I, don't, I think she said Alexa, Alexa at 
four o'clock today. She goes, I don't even know who that is. I don't know where it's at. There's nothing but I have a meeting at four o'clock. She was like, I just have to get my life in order. And she was like, I've got to start asking more questions. And she was like, I've never even met an Alexa. I hope she calls me because I don't know who she is. And I don't know where we're meeting. And I don't know why we're meeting. And it just, it made me laugh. But that's kind of how we are right? We're just catching ourselves coming and going, and we're not actually stopping to think about the way that life is running over us. We are being ran by life instead of us running our life. And when we are being ran by life, we are usually not grateful because all we're doing is catching ourselves coming and going. And so we're not stopping to think about the way that I'm reacting and responding to circumstances and to life. This is why, this is why the season of Thanksgiving is really beautiful is because once a year in America, it pulls us back into remember something that is so incredibly important to our whole entire health. And I would say that we need to have this culture begin to come into us where we begin to become thankful about everything every single day. The, the studies do say that when you can actually practice gratitude every single day, that the way that your emotions and your mental health changes is, is just astonishing. You know, and this is not to suggest that anybody who's struggling with it is bad or not doing a good job. I'm just saying that there's a challenge to us today that as we begin to change the way that we think, it will change our life. You know, and I've been there. I totally understand anxiety that overwhelms. This, is, this brings me up to, so last week, Sean talked about Psalm 100, and one of the things that he was emphasizing was the, was the importance of understanding who we are in relation to God, you know, and I think that this is, this, this is the key. I had the, I have this, I had this word this morning, um, I'll tie it in here, but the opposite of humility, most of the time we think is pride. But I would say, like, I think that often the opposite of humility is the understanding that we don't really know who God is to us. If we don't under, let me try to explain that. When I understand that God is good to me, that he's full of kindness and compassion, and he's merciful, and he's just, and he's near, my, my humility, the recognition of who he is grows bigger in my heart because I can trust him. He's trustworthy. He's faithful to me, right? And so my humility comes higher, which is good. But when I don't know who he is, it's, I have an orphan mindset. I think that I have to control and run my entire life. And so I don't necessarily have pride. I just feel like I don't have anybody who actually cares about me. And so I just have to take care of myself. Does that make sense? Yep. In some ways it's prideful, but it, I don't mean it in the haughty, oh, I think I'm amazing type of way. I just simply mean it in the, like, I, like, I am just having to take care of my life and I just have to figure this out for myself. This is, this is like, I'm here. And I just have to figure out my life. And it becomes overwhelming. It's not necessarily pride. It's, it's just being an orphan because I don't understand that I have a really amazing father. If you want to hear more about that, we do have messages on the orphan spirit, which is, I think they're great. Um, 
it, those messages transformed me. So, um, but out of Psalm 100, we have it up here, I think. Um, it's a psalm of thanksgiving. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. This is what Sean was talking about last week. The Lord himself. So God is God, not me. It's he who has made us. We didn't make ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. We give thanks to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. And his loving kindness is everlasting. His faithfulness is to all generations. Look at that. Look how beautiful God is. You know, but we don't have to be in control of our life because God is. I don't have to have it all together because God does, right? Like, I don't have to feel overwhelmed and orphaned because God is with me and he is so good. He's full of the kindness of his love over me. And he's faithful to me. So I I wanted to, I just kept feeling like it was this perspective of going, we have to begin to choose what we're going to be dwelling on. And when it comes to being thankful or, or grateful, I think that there's this perspective shift because when we understand who God is to us, we can become like humble, which just simply means I recognize who I am and that I'm not really bringing a lot to the table. Sean said last week that he wasn't a good God of his own life, right? And I would say I fired her a long time ago because I was a mess. I'm not joking. I, I was a mess. You know, I, there's so many things that I did not get right for, for, you know, many years of my life because I'm not a good God over my own life. And when we try to become that, we turn into a mess because we weren't meant to hold ourselves together. We were meant to be able to learn who God is and rely on him to shift us and to transform us. And this season, I had two thoughts. And um, the first one is we need to remember who Christ is toward us. And the second one is how that then changes to the way that we talk to people. Because as Thanksgiving approaches, like Sean had mentioned earlier, you know, um, maybe it was during prayer, so not everybody was here, but it was, it's just the simple recognition that many of us are going to be going to people's houses who there could be drama or trauma with, right? Not everybody goes to a beautiful, perfect little house that everybody sits around the table and everything is always happy and pretty. Oftentimes when we're going to family, we're happy to go, but we are scared to death to go because we don't know what what we're going to experience. You know, or it's boring or it's, you know, but most of the time it's often painful. It's often painful. And to be able to shift the way that we think and to be able to become thankful and grateful no matter the circumstances is possible when we begin to understand who God is to us. Okay? I want to give you the, so, I don't know everybody here, so what I will say this, um, the Bible was not written in English originally, it was written in um, Hebrew and Greek, we are going to be talking about the New Testament, so I'm going to bring up a Greek word, I'm not going to read it to you because nobody cares, but there's, it's the Greek word for Thanksgiving, and, um, and it's that word right at the top, but the definition of it is gratitude. It's the act of giving thanks, and it's conversation marked by the gentle cheerfulness of a grateful heart. 
Okay, that's pretty, like, Thanksgiving is actually a really great, like, it kind of defines itself. But there you go, that's, that's the Greek to English dictionary translation of the word that we're going to be talking about. You know, but it's the act of giving thanks. And it looks like a conversation marked with the gentle cheerfulness of a grateful heart. You know, I think take a minute and just think about somebody who has touched your life. You know, and think about the way that your heart responds to them. You know, somebody who has loved you well or been there for you or who, who has, you know, come and just been a source of peace in your life in the middle of crazy. You know, think about that person for a minute and pay attention to the way that you respond in your spirit, in your heart towards that person. And I would say that we have the ability to begin to do that even in really awful and uncomfortable circumstances. There have been seasons in our life where, you know, like we've been married 25 years. All of our 25 years haven't been perfect, right? Like, that's a long time. You know, I'm well over 25 years. I like to joke that Sean married me when I was 12, but I was a little bit older than that. (laughs) Maybe not much, but I was a little bit older than that. You know, but in my life, I've experienced really hard things, right? And, and, in the last, I would say, probably five to seven years, I've been, I've just felt the challenge from the Lord to begin to change the way that I think about the situations. And instead, before, probably, you know, um, probably during my adulthood, when, when any sort of really hard stuff would come, it would overwhelm me. And I would get pulled into this place. And Sean is so incredibly practical that he would drive me crazy sometimes because he was, I'm like in all the emotions, right? Totally girl, like just all the emotions. And Sean's like, well, practically, it's not that big of a deal. And I'm like, go away. Like, but, but as, I, as I began to like find the beauty in his practical obnoxiousness, I swear, like I was like, you don't even have feelings, you know? <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Like I began, to, I began to hear the Lord go, no, but if you understand where he's coming from, you can actually begin to change the way that you think. The problem was I didn't want to become grateful or thankful for my situation. I wanted to be a victim of it over and over again because it felt good, because it was gratifying to my senses. Here's the thing. When I began to understand that God was like... like let me be clear. I'm not suggesting God's bringing horrible things into our lives. I, I've, people are broken, and broken people break people. Right. right? So it's not God. God's not breaking us. But, but when things are happening, God is coming in. He's, he's doing something in our heart. He uses everything, and he's coming in. He's giving me the opportunity to shift the way that I think. You know, and so as I have grown in the Lord, I have began to understand that even in the middle of really, really hard stuff where broken people are trying to break me, I'm able to then be able to go, God, thank you that you are with me. I'm not thanking him for the circumstance. I'm thanking him for who he is to me in the middle of it. I'm thanking him for the people that he has surrounded me with, who have caught me, who have seen me, who have ministered to me right? I'm thanking him for how he is coming in and protecting me and shielding me, even if I don't necessarily see it. I began to shift the way that I see my situation and to go, God, you're really good in the middle of it. And I know that you're guiding me through every single step. And so I can stay in a place of gratitude and thankfulness towards him 
because he's really good in my circumstances, because he's faithful, because he's going to pull me through. He's not going to necessarily pull me out of it, but he is going to be with me as I walk through it. Does that make sense? When you can begin to shift the way you think, and I'm not perfect at this. There are still so many times that Sean has to like go misty. <laughs> You've got to change the way you're thinking right now. I'm like, okay, give me just a minute. I just need to be in it for just another minute. Like, I just need to have all the feelings. I am definitely, I, I like my feelings, you know, and sometimes they feel like truth to me, right? Often our feelings, but our feelings are indicators. They're not truth tellers. I'll explain that. On our dashboard of our car, we have lights that go off. And those lights, when they go off, I call my husband. I'm like, hey, there's this light that's going off, and it kind of looks like this. What do you want me to do? And he's like, just keep driving or whatever. He'll tell me what to do. You know? Because <laughs> I don't know what cars are. Like, I know the gas tank. If that light goes off, I have to get to a gas station. That's what I know. You know? But here's the thing. Like, those indicators aren't the problem. Right? And sometimes the indicators go bad and they flash when there isn't a problem. Right? And if we look at our feelings in the same way, you know, if they go off and like if the oil wait, is it what does it there's a there's an oil light. <laughs> <laughs> there's an oil light, I'm assuming. Yeah. Go with it. <laughs> go I'm gonna go with it. Like I said, I don't deal with cars. I like I don't deal with cars, all right? Sean deals with cars. So if the oil light goes off, then I need to figure out what the problem is. Or if there's a light, I know that there's, you take the car to like one of the places and they, they plug in something and they read it for you and they tell you what the problem is. But the light isn't the problem. The light is indicating that there's an issue deeper inside that needs to be found. Our feelings are that light. Our feelings are indicators that there's a deeper problem that needs to be discovered. But we can't trust the light. We can't trust our feelings. We have to trust what the problem is deeper than that. We have to go deeper and find out what those problems are. So when we begin to understand that, we can pull ourselves out of our feelings and we can begin to retrain our minds, literally retraining our minds to begin to think in a way that's grateful and thankful to the Lord. And it shifts the way that we feel. And our indicators become more honest with actually what's going on around us. Because, you know, there, how many of you guys have seen people in the middle of a crazy circumstance and they are calm and collected and they know what's going on and they know who they are? You know, those people have learned to trust God on a level that we need to all get to. And it's possible to get to. I don't say that as if you can't get there. I'm saying that for each one of us, it's not just for pastors. It's not just for ministers. There's, there's no divide between us. The stage isn't something that makes me more holy than you, right? Because Jesus has leveled us at the cross. This is just what God's called me to do. And each of you guys have something that God's called you to do, and it's not better. And mine's not better, okay? We're all just here. We're just people learning how to love Jesus and to be loved by him, okay? I felt like when we understand who God is, I've, I just, it was this perspective of like that orphan mindset of going, I feel like I don't know that, like I have to take care of myself. Like I have to figure out all my problems. And I have to, um, you know, I was just, I was talking to somebody the other day and like you could list 
like so many things going on in, in her life that are, that like one of them is overwhelming, but when she has 10 of them, you know, you're like, how are you still standing and still, still smiling? Like, how is there a smile still on your face? You know, but, but it's to be able, like people going through that kind of stuff, like all of the stuff, it all just overwhelms you at the same time. And when we can begin to understand who God is to us in the middle of it, our gratitude instantly begins to rise. Sorry, I thought you were talking to me. I was talking to Jesus. He's oh, he is better than me. <laughs> Don't distract me anymore. Go to the back. <laughs> but, but does that make sense? Like when we can begin to, like there's the onslaught of life that it doesn't usually just come in one nice little bad thing at a time and there's 90 good things and one bad thing. It's usually like this crazy rollout of like chaos that happens and you're just going along your life, and then all of a sudden it just overwhelms you. And for some of us, it just overwhelms us for, for years. And we just feel like we're being tossed under the ocean over and over and over again. We can't come up for breath, and then it just sucks us back under. Here's the thing. We can begin to hold on to who God is. Like, show me who you are. Show me who you are. And that's why those four words were so important to me. The Lord is near. Like when, when life does that and it begins to suck me under, I'm able to go, God, you're right here. You're right here. Okay. You're right here and you're good. And then I can remember the next thing, like who is God to me right now? He's kind to me. Like he's, he's near the brokenhearted and I'm brokenhearted right now. So he's right here. Like, so God, how do you want to meet me here? Does that make sense? And with that gratitude begins to shift. Because all of a sudden I can become thankful who he is and the truth of who he is in my life. And all of a sudden I'm being pulled out of being sucked under and into depression or anxiety or stress and being able to, to be put back onto a stable surface where I can stand and go, okay, it might be crazy and there might be a storm all around me, but he's right here with me and he's not going to let me continue to get drowned. Like I'm not going to drown. I'm going to be okay. And then, and then after that I can go, okay, and I can take a step and I can even begin to walk myself out of this craziness because God's with me and he's showing me the way and he's guiding me. That's why it's so important to make him Lord of our life is because he's there to be good to us. You know, he came and he died for our sins to remove them as far as the east, and was, east was from the west. And then after he removed our sins, he gave us Mercy and grace, and the grace empowers us to begin to walk in a new way and to be able to hear his voice and to be able to follow him and to listen to him. So we remove all the gunk from our life, and then we're free to be able to walk with him with our head up and not feeling like we're being sucked under. If we struggle to spend time in thanksgiving toward the Lord then we have made our circumstances and ourself larger than the Lord is. If it comes to a place where we're like, okay, let's just take some time and let's give thanks to the Lord, and we sit there and we're like, I've got nothing. You know, oh, I do have a house. Thank you for the house. And my dog. Thank you that my dog came in with very muddy paws and burrs all over his body right before we had to leave for church today. Thank you. Thanks for that. True story. <laughs> Although it wasn't me, it was my daughter who got to deal with him. Ha <laughs> ha. But right? Like, but we sit there and we don't 
know how to even thank him. We don't have any part of gratefulness in us. It's because we have been so training our mind. We have wired our mind to go negative. We don't even know how to get back there, but it's possible. And what we begin to do is we start with where we're at. And then you practice a lifestyle of thanksgiving. In, in the studies, one of the things that was very clear about was that it wasn't instant. It wasn't like they wrote a thank you letter, like a gratitude letter, and then instantly they were happy and no longer depressed. It wasn't that. It was a process of renewing their mind and changing the way that their neuropathways were, and they began to shift ever so slowly and over a season, over time. Their brains were getting rewired into something that was different, and they became happier and healthier people. That is the same thing. It's understanding who God is and what he's done for us and beginning to go, God, I'm so thankful. Like I am, like there have been times when I've literally just said, I'm thankful that I'm still alive and you're still really good. And that's all I've got. Like, I don't know how, like life is just so overwhelming that I can just say, I'm thankful I'm still here. I'm, I'm still here, you know? And I still love the Lord. Like there's still that place. Like I still have a, a deep relationship with the Lord, but everything else feels overwhelming, right? And from that place, I can go, God, thank you that I'm still here. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you've kept me. You've kept me alive. You have, you have continued to just walk with me every single step of the way. And I can then begin to see more. The more I'm thankful, the more things that come to me. So I would challenge you, like if I'm saying to you, hey, think about something that you're grateful for or thank God for something and you don't really have something, then you know that you need to start small. That's okay. Start small. Be thankful for your house. It's important to have a house, Right? Be thankful that you have clothes. Start with that and begin to move into asking him what, what else is there. Psalm 111, I would say this. If you struggle with this, write down Psalm 100 and Psalm 111 and begin the process of thankfulness just from reading these scriptures. So here's Psalm 111. I am going to read the whole thing. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. I will thank the Lord with all of my heart as I meet with his godly people. How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him ponder them. Everything he does reveals his glory and majesty. His righteousness never fails. He causes us to remember his wonderful works. How gracious and merciful is our Lord. He gives food to those who fear him, and he always remembers his covenant. He has shown us his great power to his people by giving them the lands of other nations. He is he does, everything he does is just and good, and all his commandments are trustworthy. They are forever true, to be obeyed faithfully and with integrity. He has paid a full ransom for his people. He has guaranteed his covenant with them forever. What a holy and awe-inspiring name he has. Fear, the, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom, and all who obey his commands will grow in them. But just begin to take like those first few verses and just process them before the Lord and turn it into your own prayer. You know, how amazing are your deeds? I love this one, verse four. It says, he causes us to remember his wonderful work. So if you're wondering what some of his wonderful, start asking him, what have you done in my life that's wonderful? Would you show me? Would you begin to show me what you've done in my life that has been wonderful because I don't know that I've seen it? Let him begin to rewrite your history through his perspective and to see how much he's shown up for you. And here's the other thing. I, I think that we also have to understand that we need to be deeply thankful 
for what he's done for us and for who we were and how he's transformed us. I love this out of, so most of Paul's letters actually start off with thanking God for the people he's writing to. So I have a list of like um, nine other scriptures. Um, You can pull it up. That's one of the ending slides. Um, And I won't talk a lot about that today, but these are all the slides where, where Paul is actually thankful for the people he's writing to. Now, if you remember he, he wrote to First Corinthians, like Corinthians, and in First Corinthians, he says how much, like every single time he remembers them, he thanks God for them in his prayers, and then he talks about why, and then like half of the book is him telling them how they need to make some adjustments in their life because it's not going so well, right? Almost all of these are instructional letters on how to live better and different and telling them to get along and to stop fighting and to stop sinning, and to live righteously, right? But Paul was deeply thankful for these people. He had a lifestyle of gratitude. But I was struck by, by First Timothy because he didn't tell Timothy how grateful he was for him. Instead, he starts talking about how grateful he was to the Lord for himself, for, for what God has done for him, not for himself, but how, what God has done for him. Let's go to that one, First Timothy. 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 16 just says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. For those of you who don't maybe know who Paul was, he actually was a Jew who believed that the Christians were um, heathen, like uh, blasphemous, and he um, got permission to go and murder Christians in all of the, the area, the surrounding area. And so he would go, and we don't know how many people he actually got put to death, but it was a huge, a huge amount. And then he got saved, and then he met Jesus on the road, and everything changed in his life. So he literally, he was a murderer. Yet, he says, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Think about that. Look at the gratitude in his heart. I was, I was blown away with how, how much he recognized. He didn't focus on who he was. He recognized the truth of who he was and the extent of compassion and mercy and grace that God had for him and where he had brought him. But his focus wasn't on who he was. He wasn't self-depreciating in his words. He was honest in his assessment. The man, the man was, he had murdered a bunch of people. He thought he was doing it in a right way. He thought he was honoring God until God met him and told him that he wasn't, right? But here's the thing, like, he was like, I was shown mercy, and the grace of the Lord was more than abundant, which means there was more than enough grace brought to me, right? He deserved, he was the foremost of sinners, and yet for this reason, he found mercy, because Jesus wanted him to be an example, and that's our testimony, for those of us who know Jesus, that's our testimony. Every single one of us can go, man, I, like, I know what I was like before Jesus met me. And I was not a good God of my own life. I was failing really bad at having my life all together. Right? I was a mess and couldn't even keep my schedule clear. 
Like I couldn't even, I couldn't even do something as small as understand that I needed to be here at this time, right? Not to mention how I was living and how I was treating people and how I was responding to situations and all this stuff. But then Jesus came and he became so incredible. Like he was so thankful for who Jesus was to him. And he was talking to Timothy about it. And Timothy has his own story, right? And Timothy's mom and his grandmother knew Jesus. And they are the ones who actually stepped him into the faith. And, and there's other scriptures that talk about how thankful Paul was to his mother, to Timothy's mother and his grandmother because of their testimony of their righteous living before, before Timothy. You know, we have people in our life who have prayed for us. Like Sean's story, like we know several people, like uh, we have a teacher friend who just passed away recently, who was one of them who prayed for Sean. She needed to pray for him. She, he was in her class. But beyond that, um, but beyond that, like she, she prayed for him. Like we are so thankful for her. You know, there were so many people who, who saw Sean and were like, oh, Jesus, like he needs you. My testimony is a little bit different. I was raised in a Christian home. I, I've known Jesus since I was little. I've had to grow a lot, right? But I'm so thankful to my parents who, who stepped into who Jesus was and began to live righteously as first-generation Christians. They had to learn how to follow him. And I got to watch them and follow their example, and I'm so thankful for them because they're amazing, right? Each one of us have these people in our life that we, are so, we can be so thankful for. You know, they're not perfect. I want to make sure that's clear. Like, this isn't about having a perfect life. This is about in the middle of the mess and with our people. Like, my parents aren't perfect. My parents are amazing. They're not perfect, right? They drive me crazy, right? Like, they, they do. All of our parents do. They, drive, they can drive us crazy. But here's the thing. Like, we can be so thankful for them. We can find things to be grateful for in every single person because of who Jesus is for us. We can then begin to go, thank you, Jesus, for this, for this thing of beauty in them. And as we begin to focus on that, then it begins to change the way that we see them. So when we're going into places like Thanksgiving, we're going to be around all those people. If we ask the Lord, what can I be grateful for for that person? That person's just obnoxious. They poke at me every time I come into the room, Right? Like, how am I thankful for them? And then let the Holy Spirit tell you how to be thankful for them and become thankful, right? And, and just begin to thank God for them and who they are. But remember also who we are, because the more that we understand how much God saved us from and out of, we have a whole lot more grace for those other people, right? Because none of us are perfect. We're all in, in this middle of this transition. Okay. think there was another scripture. Yes, this is the last one. Here we go. This is the last one out of Colossians 3. It's 15 through 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. That's the word of God. It's this. Read it. Let it live in you. Read it. Please read it. Start with the New Testament. Read it over and over and over again until you understand who Jesus is and then move to the Old Testament. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. It means making sure that when we're talking to people that we're building them up and we're loving on them and we're speaking blessings over them. We're not 
talking bad about people. We're not gossiping. We're not slandering people. We're not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she's wearing that today. We're not doing those kinds of things. Instead, I'm not talking about anybody. Instead, we're going, like, we're talking to people. We're building them up, and we're being kind. We're loving each other well. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Everything we do, every word that comes out of our mouth, every deed that we do, this is the season of giving thanks, and then we roll right into Christmas, right? Where we're giving gifts. Everything we do, let it be done from a place of gratefulness and thankfulness. Let's shift the way that we think and rebuild paths to where we can become some of the happiest and most grateful people, right? Because it will transform us, but it will transform the people around us, okay? All right, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done for us. God, we thank you that you, you recognize that we couldn't get to you without, without help, and so you sent help. You sent Jesus God, I am thankful for that. I'm thankful that you recognize that I'm completely dependent upon you and that I needed a Savior to come and rescue me. And so, Father, I just take take a minute and say thank you. Thank you for the work that you've done on my behalf. Thank you for the grace that you have poured out to teach me how to live in a way that not just honors you, but also is healthy and it's whole and it brings health to the people around us, God. God, would you begin to show us how to rewrite our brains so that we can become grateful for for who you are to us, first of all, and for what you've done for us, but also for the people around us. We can become thankful and recognizing and paying attention to the beauty that's in our world, God, and that we would begin to, yeah, let the negativity just go away, God. God, help us to not trust our feelings, but to recognize that we need to find the truth and then begin to work on the truth from the roots up so that we can begin to have a thankful heart and a a grateful perspective, God. Yeah, and if we have to choose one or the other, God, we choose to focus on you and your beauty and your goodness and your faithfulness and your ability to trust you, God. You're a firm foundation and we can trust you with everything, God. We don't want to dwell on everything that we have to do to try to keep ourselves alive. But instead, we can recognize that you are the one who sustains us. You're the one who's made us. You formed us. You fashioned us. You're our healer. You're our redeemer. You are righteous. You are holy. You are true to us, God. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.